Well, good morning, Hope Point Church. Wonderful to see you all this morning. And uh, to Hank, my, uh, my heart uh, goes out for you this morning. I've known Hank and Laney for many decades, uh, long before I had anything to do with this church. And, um, and certainly uh, just hold, hold Hank up before the Lord this morning. Um, I, it was funny, and nothing to do with, with that situation, to be honest, but I was just early into the praise and worship this morning. I just felt God put this on my heart, this scripture on my heart, for somebody or maybe numbers of people here. And then when, when Jared got up and he shared and spoke before, and it was just the same thing, but this is from Israel. This, this was not what I prepared to preach, okay? This part's free, all right? Um, but I felt God really put this on my heart for someone from Isaiah 43. But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, <clears throat> fear not, for I have redeemed you. How many of you know if God says fear not, usually it's because there's something that can cause fear. So that, and that's the journey of life. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you, and listen to this, here's the part that this verse particularly came to my, to my heart during the part of the service this morning. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. God doesn't say, I'll lead you around the deep waters so you don't... No, no, no. When you, how many of you know sometimes you pass through waters? When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, oh my goodness. But how many of you know that in life and on the journey, there are rivers, there are deep waters, there are fires, there are challenging times. But when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Wow, that's a great picture. And it goes on to say, for I'm the Lord, your God. And he goes on to talk about, since you are pressured and Precious and honoured in my sight, and because I love you, I love that. I love those verses. So this morning, I just felt that that is for somebody, and maybe you're walking through the fire, maybe you're walking through some deep waters, uh, but you won't be burned, you won't be drowned. Uh, God loves you. He's redeemed you. He's got your name. He's got you covered. Okay, He's got it. He's got it. Just trust Him. Well. Um, now I'll get into the real deal. I, I, uh, Pastor Jed, thank you again. Uh, I was just standing here this morning thinking, I really enjoy being here. This is kind of, I feel home here. How many of you, I asked this about a year ago, but it's with intent. How many of you have never seen me before? Give me a wave. You've never, wow, my goodness. How many of you have seen me before? Okay. How many of you wish you'd never seen me before? No. <laughs> Um, <laughs> they're the ones I want to preach to this morning. <laughs> now, but the reason I ask how many have not seen me before is because, and there was a lot of hands went up. I was surprised because I've been preaching here, you know, usually two or three times a year for the last two, two and a half years. And, and it's just great to see there's always new people coming into the life of this church. And, uh, that's, that's very exciting. I was driving up this morning. One of the things, um, I love about particularly on a day like today so I live on the Gold Coast, and so it's a two-hour drive, basically, uh, to get here. And um, 
and drove. It was just a beautiful morning, putting on my favourite worship playlist in the car. Had the sunroof, just the, not the wind, just the, letting the sunlight in. And I was, I was actually reflecting on the goodness of God. And in the midst of all stuff that we go through, it's so good to reflect on the goodness of God. And that song we sang before, Waymaker, in my own journey the last few years, two years, that song has just been such a God song for me. And there's a, there's a few others just recently. I'll raise a hallelujah. <laughs> Love that song. And particularly if some of you know the, the background of how that song was written or why that song was written in the midst of a challenging, difficult situation with life at threat. And, um, and then the, the latest one I love <clears throat> is, um, is he turns graves into gardens. Oh, I love that. How many of you know he turns graves into gardens? He will bring us through those difficult situations. Ah, hallelujah. Well, in the midst of a crazy world, how many of you know the world is crazy? Seriously. It just seems to get crazier every week. But this thing I love, Psalm 24 verse 1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let me just share a little story. So Sam gets up one morning and uh, Saturday morning, he wants to go to Bunnings because he wants to do some work around the, the house uh, and needs to go and get some stuff. So he takes his little five-year-old son with him <clears throat> to Bunnings and, and uh, his little boy is excited about going with dad to Bunnings. And on the way home, it's still early, they're going to go back and have breakfast with the rest of the family. But his little boy says, Dad, his little boy sees the golden arches on the way home, says, Dad, can, can, can we get some fries? Can, can we have some Maccas? And Sam thinks, yeah, I'll shout my boy. I mean, we should. We're going to go on a breakfast soon anyway. But let's stop. And he just wanted to spoil his boy. And so they go into Maccas and, and he buys his little boy a large fries. And Sam just gets himself a coffee. And they're sitting there and enjoying that and enjoying the moment. And, and while they're doing that, Sam, as happens, how many of you have ever ever bought something and somebody else doesn't want it, but the smell was too good. And Sam reaches across to his little boy's fries to take a couple just because they smelled so good. And, uh, and, uh, and to his kind of surprise, his little boy quickly puts his arms around and says, no, Dad, they're my fries. Don't take my fries. <laughs> and he builds like this little fort to protect his fries, and, and Sam was a bit taken back for a moment and sort of pulled back, and then he, then he stopped and thought. He thought, wow, my, my son fails to realise that actually I'm the source of those fries. <laughs> and in fact, I didn't just give him a regular fries, I actually gave him a large fries. And at the counter, I was the one who gave the money over and provided the fries for him, um, and I, I gave him more than he was expecting, and now he's talking about his fries? <laughs> Not only was I the source of the fries, but he's forgotten that at six foot and 90 kilos, I can take as many fries as I want. <laughs> Not only that, if I wanted to, I could go back to the counter and get more fries than he could imagine to eat even. If I want to get my own, I can do that. 
He said, all I wanted really to do, he was thinking, was just for my son in this moment of enjoying what I've blessed him with to share it with me. And it's a great little illustration. The fact that for us sometimes in the psalm, the verse I read from Psalm 24, again, let me say it to you. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. I love that. I love that verse. It kind of creates this, for me, it's almost I see this image, you know, of, of planet earth from outer space. The earth is the Lord's. And I see this image of planet earth and its beauty from outer space. But then it's like, if you've ever used Google Earth, and you type in an address. So it's like this grand, majestic, artistic statement, an image of the earth is the Lord's. But the verse then goes on, and everything in it, and everyone. And it's like, that. so that affects you. So it's like zooming down with Google Earth. You type in the address, Ben and Rach, comes right down to you and to me. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it and everyone is his. How many of you know that when you make a decision to follow Christ, we, <clears throat> we surrender everything? Now, we don't realize initially what that means. But that means if everything is in, everything is his, we give our life to him and everything that we have. I mean, have you know it's his anyway? That's what Psalm says. Corinthians tells us that you're not your own, you've been bought with a price. So that statement can have a generality about it, but, but when you really make it personal, every, I am his and everything I have and everything I've been blessed with is his. So God, like my family, yep, it's mine. Um, but but what about my house? Yeah, mine. But not my car, hey. Yep, mine. Uh, not not the Volvo. <laughs> but um, but not not the bank account, hey God. I mean that's that's mine, hey. No. I mean when you think about this and you, it goes from this grand majestic statement: the earth is the Lord's, and it is. But what that means at the, at the micro level is just what I've been saying. Every, if we really believe this. The height of ingratitude, I think, is when you have been entrusted with the care and responsibility of something that belongs, that belongs to somebody else, but you think and act like it is your own. So just imagine for a moment that uh, I... Uh, loan Jed my jet ski for a week. So Jared comes to the Gold Coast and I, I have a high-powered, high-performance jet ski that I, I like. That's my, it's kind of my escape. It's the only place I can speed these days. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but <clears throat> I loan it to Jed for a week and at the end of the week, he doesn't bring it back. So I phone him up and he says, oh, well, actually, um, uh, I've, Shane... Shane and Carol were going away, so I actually loaned it to Shane for a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you are. <laughs> now, 
that's that's all wonderful, but but Jed, it's it's actually my ski. You should have checked with me first. I mean, that's that's kind of outside of your just to do what you want and what you think. It's helpful, I think, sometimes to realise that our stuff is not really our stuff. Oh, I know that's hard to get your head around, but it's a bit. It's a bit like. How many of you ever played Monopoly? Yeah, board, board game Monopoly. How many of you know at the end of the game, it all goes back in the box? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just, just kind of apply that because that's the truth. I used to, uh, <clears throat> years ago, when our kids were in their teens, we, we used to play this game called Risk. Any of you ever played Risk? Oh, yeah. It's a world domination game. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's it's <laughs> German. <laughs> it's a it's a great game. Well, yeah. Anyway, so we would particularly if we go away on holidays, and we had one of the young guys who became almost like a a second son in our family, and was friends with our kids, and got saved in our church, and he used to come with us on holidays, and we used to play Risk till all hours of the morning. And some members of my family were somewhat competitive. <laughs> yeah, hard to believe, eh? Um, and I can remember this one night, and of course, it can get so intense because as the game progresses, you're taking out some players because you want their territory, and again, you just want to... And about 2 a.m., it was pretty intense, and uh, someone was being targeted, and there was fair bit of intensity and stuff going on and, and there'd been a bit of banter that wasn't necessarily Christian. <laughs> and suddenly my wife, who had been taken out of the game a little earlier, but she's sitting there, she's just over this stuff and she just in an instant without any warning just picks the board up, flicks it up and it's all over. Like in a moment, it was, and everything that we had been so intense about, everything that we'd been arguing about, everything that we'd been so passionate about one minute before, it's all gone. It's a great lesson. Because in life sometimes, we get so intense about stuff that at the end of the day, doesn't really matter that much. And it will all go back in the box at the end of the game. <laughs> what it means is that we, if we believe Psalm 24, it means we get to benefit from everything that is, that he blesses us with. How many of you got some blessings in your lives? Yeah. I know we've got bills and we've got this stuff and we, we all, but we've also blessed with many things. Shane and Carol's wedding anniversary today, and yeah, said congratulations to Shane and commiserations to Carol, and uh, no. <laughs> she corrected me very quickly. <laughs> but again, the blessings that we have in our lives, and we need to recognise ultimately that it's all His, and. Sometimes we get used to the 
we get used to everything that we are blessed with and have and we kind of forget that ultimately it's his. We treat it like it's just ours. It's a little bit, you know, life is unscripted, hey. Life is kind of unscripted. I don't know whether any of you ever watched, I used to love this show, it was on some years ago on TV called Thank God You're Here. I, I just, I love that show. For those of you that are spiritual and never watched those things, um, <laughs> Pastor Jed was not one, uh, he watched it. Um, it, it. For those of you that don't know, what, what it was, that there'd be some, some uh, celebrity actors, whatever celebrities, and they would be dressed up in some role, maybe as a, a surgeon or a, or a, you know, a doctor or a, uh, you know, butcher or whatever it might be. Some, they're dressed up in some costume and then a door opens and they don't know what's on the other side of that door. They just walk into this scenario unplanned, unprepared and suddenly find themselves in the middle of a situation that's unscripted and it's like someone turns around who's in that room already and, and in this scene and says, oh, thank God you're here and you're on. <laughs> Life's a bit like that. Sometimes, like it's unscripted. And sometimes we find ourselves, a door opens or it's, you know, we suddenly find ourselves thrust into a scene that we're there and it's unscripted and we've got to make our way through it and kind of do the best we can with what we're confronted with. But just remember that even though the script is ours to make up, we don't own the show. We don't own the show. We all belong to God. And the sooner we accept that, we, we now become stewards. Now, the word steward is not a word that we use terribly often in everyday language or English anymore. I think it's used in the horse racing industry, <laughs> stewards. Um, but it has limited use in our modern language. But it literally means, and I'm sure many of you know this, it's a person who manages another's property or affairs, one who administers anything as the agent of another. So if we settle the fact that we are stewards, okay, everything is God's, we're blessed with many things in life to manage for him and oversee for him. He's our ultimate master, our Lord. What does that mean? What does that require of us? What is our responsibility? I'm glad you asked that question. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, It's required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Now, there's, a, there's a whole message just in that. But that's a steward, one who's been given responsibility to manage and administer whatever has been put into our care and our trust on behalf of someone else. It's our responsibility to do that in a manner that is honouring to the master. True? Fair, fair comment? Okay. I don't care if you disagree, it's in the Bible. Okay. <laughs> Again, if I... Um, you know, if I, if I own a rental property, let's put it around the other, the other way. Maybe Jared owns, a, owns an investment property and I rent it off him. And, uh, and I decide, I'm, you know what, I don't like that wall there. I think I'll knock that one out 
and uh, the pool, I, I don't use the pool, I think I'll fill that in and put a garden there, and, and Jed comes around to visit one day, and I've done all this stuff, can you imagine his response? It's not, I probably don't have long-term tenure in that, that house, because it's not actually my place. We have to learn to treat that, that which treat what we have been entrusted with, with the, in the appropriate manner. So with that in mind, let me read to you a story that Jesus told that we, I'm sure all of us, or at least most of us, would be very familiar with. And it's called often the parable of the talents. Okay. From Matthew 25. And I, I want to read this to you rather than just refer to it. So... So just listen to the story. Matthew 25 from verse 14. This is Jesus telling the story. He says, says, it'll be like a man going on a journey. He called his servants and entrusted his property to them. And to one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received The five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts. How many of you know that there will come a settling of accounts? We will give an account of our life. Now, if we... If we are followers of Jesus, then our sins, are, we're not going to be held accountable for our sin because that's already been taken care of. But have you know, we will give an account for our life. And we'll give an account for how we've managed whatever God has entrusted us with, whatever that might be. So he returns after a long time, he returns and settles accounts. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who'd received the one talent came. Master, he said, and this is interesting. I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. He gives back the one. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Wow. That's fairly scathing. (laughs) So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. Now, that wouldn't get much today, but anyway. So that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So it's, it's interesting. So the master in this story is simply looking for the value that has been invested in these guys to be added to. 
Okay? Whatever's been invested, he wants value add. All right? The last guy, who did not add value to what had been entrusted to him, it's interesting, and I only saw something in this just recently that I'd never quite seen before. I've preached from this many, many times. I've read it probably hundreds of times. It's around what drove this guy. Now, we talk about, he says, I was afraid. He didn't have a correct understanding or perception of the master, and that's true. He was afraid. But what was the real driver of this? And Jesus in the story actually repeats the point because the guy says, talks about the master being a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went and buried the money. What this guy was saying, and Jesus wrote, so you thought I was a hard harvesting where I've not sown seed, etc. The guy was saying, you think about this, and Jesus made a point. He repeated this, these phrases about harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. The guy was saying, I feared that I would get no personal return from the work I put in. My, my estimation of the master was that you will just take the benefit, you'll take the rewards, and I will get nothing. I will get no return. And without taking too long because of time this morning, what was the driver for this guy was self-interest. It was self-interest. I'm not going to get anything out of this. The master's hard. I'll do all the work and I'll get nothing back for it. I might as well just go and dig a hole in the ground and I'll give him back what he gave me. And it was self-interest that was the driver of his behavior and resulted, he was lazy, but it wasn't laziness that was really the driver. It wasn't really fear that was the driver. It was his own self-interest interest that was the driver and can I say that when self-interest drives our life we've got a problem see our responsibility and again we've we've settled that everything is his we who have already said yes to Jesus we acknowledge that so Our responsibility is to add value to whatever he brings into your life and whatever he places in your hand. And at least give it back with interest. But to add value. So, how are you doing with adding value to the investment that God has made in you and your life? Commercial terms, ROI, return on investment. Everything that God puts in your hand, be it for a day or be it for life. I mean, you have the stewardship of your life. Body, soul and spirit. We don't have time to dig into each level this morning, but we could. Your life is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. So how are you doing with the investment even with your body physically? 
Are you adding value? Some of you have added a lot of value. No, that's all, sorry. <laughs> How are you doing with your soul? How are you doing with your spirit? What about your relationships? There's another dynamic of life. Your family, are you adding value to your partner, your spouse? Are you adding value? If you have kids, are you adding value? You're not just looking after them and putting food on the table and clothing them, but are you adding value? We could talk a lot about that. What about your resources? Your, your finance? Often when we read this story, we, we just think about finance, you know, or our talent. I can dance, but... And using that for... Oh, you want some more? No. Um, but it's, it's not that it's, it's whatever God has put in your hand huh. time are you adding value uh, imagine for a minute that there's a bank that credits your account every morning with $86,400 every day but you have to You've got to use that in the day. Anything that's left in the account will disappear at midnight and you get another 86400 I don't know about you, but I'm going to try and use every, every dollar of that because it's gone at the end of the day. And you, and you can't, with this account, you can't carry it over. You can't borrow against it for the future. Whatever you don't use is written off. Allows no overdraft. So you've got to live in the moment and use what you have. You know every day you get 86,400 seconds. 86,400 seconds. I'm using up some of them now for you. Uh, it's funny, hey, we, um, we often value money more than time. So can you imagine if somebody came up to you, <clears throat> you know, where's Hayden? See? Oh, there he is. He's a money man. He works with money. Very smart. But can you imagine if Hayden came up to me all the time and every time I turned up and said, listen, uh, could I have some money? <laughs> can I have 50 bucks? And then after church he comes and says, could I have a hundred bucks? Now, because I know Hayden, initially, because I, I, I trust him, I go, yeah, yeah, sure. But if he keeps doing that, like I'm, I'm careful about where I give my money. I, I, I think about that. I'm, I'm not just going to keep giving it away willy-nilly. Or Maiden Hayden. I'm not going to keep giving it away just... And yet, many things keep asking us of our time. And we give it away without really thinking. And, and here's the point. Money is a renewable. You know, the, there's always a way to get more money. It's been great now with masks. It's much easier to walk into banks these days. No, I'm not suggesting... <laughs> 
But the truth is that money is a renewable. There, there are, there's always ways to get more money, but time is not a renewable. Once it's gone, it's gone. You cannot get it back. How many of you have ever had those, you've just spent two hours doing something and you go, oh, there's two hours I'm not going to get back. <laughs> and yet we don't think we put more value often on our money than our time. Ephesians 5 says, the 15, 16, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. How many of you know that's true? <laughs> so, to just come back to the whole thought of adding value, which is our responsibility. How are you doing with adding value in those different areas of life? In your work situation, do you add value? Because that's our responsibility. We're here. God's blessed me with this job. How can I add value? People have come into our lives. Do we add value? And it, let me tell you, it's not hard to add value. About six, eight weeks ago, I had breakfast with a pastor on the Gold Coast one morning, and excuse me, the, um, the waitress, she was very good. She was about 26, I guess, somewhere around there, and, and she was friendly, she was helpful, just great personality, and, and she... She served well, but she wasn't intrusive. Have you ever, have you ever been to a cafe or a restaurant and you're having a deep and meaningful? And, and the, the, the wait staff, whoever it is, guy or a girl, or whatever it might be these days, uh, walks up, <laughs> sorry, sorry, uh, walks up and goes, you're in this deep and meaningful with the person that you're there with, and they just walk up and go, so is everything okay? It's like, you know, yeah, yeah, great. It's like, this girl... She, she kind of stood back. She would read the moment. So when I went to settle the account, <clears throat> um, I, uh, I said to her, she's totaling it up and whatever. And I said, how long have you been working here? And she said, oh, three years. I, said, I just said to her, you're very good at what you do. And she stopped. And, and it was interesting. She looked up and she just started to tear up. I could see it in her eyes. I said, the reason I come here or the reason I go to some coffee shops or restaurants or cafes is not just because it's good food, but because the, the staff create a great atmosphere. And so I just, I just said, you know, um, complimented her and thanked her. Now, I wouldn't do it if she wasn't good, okay, so it's not flattery. But she, she thanked me. And I, I walked out that morning and go, wow. It's not hard to, hard to add value to someone's life. And, and it is that simple. It's that simple. We just sometimes need to think. God's invested life in us, his life. Hey? And, and to just share that, to bring joy into someone's life, to bring encouragement into someone's life. We sometimes just get so engrossed in doing our whatever it is we're doing, even in family life, in work life, even in church life, that we don't stop and think, actually, my responsibility is to add value. Add value. Add value. Add value. 
final story, then I'll wrap up. <clears throat> Been here too many times now to consider myself a visiting preacher, so I do need to only have one conclusion. Um, I, I did a professional development intensive course at QUT in March for a week. And, uh, and in that cohort was of 16, there were 10 of them were barristers and lawyers. And here I am just pastor. Anyway, but during that week that we spent together, I, j- I just took time and, in fact, I became increasingly aware and one of my good friends who's been in law for decades said to me recently, I was telling him this story, he said, yeah, he said, people that work in that field, is Crystal here today? It's not here? Okay, I can talk about it. No, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> no. But he was saying, my friend was saying, it, people particularly barristers and so on, he said, you know, we sometimes think they're, but they, they're just people like us. And often, often more stressed, the number of people in that field. Anyway, all, all that to say, I particularly just took time during that week to engage with them. I didn't go up and say, are you saved? You read your Bible? I don't think any of them that I'm aware of were believers. Um, but out of that long story, and I did a little experiment even in the hotel I was staying in that week. So you ever get into a lift? There's one other person getting... It doesn't matter how many. These days, it's usually a limit of two because of COVID. Oh, it's a long ride. Long ride to the top if you want to. Uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> and uh, the silence. And I thought, you know what? So I'd been in the lift the previous day, and there'd been this guy, young guy. Um, not sure where he was from. But anyway, he, um, he got in the lift with me the next day. And the first day, I hadn't said anything. He hadn't said anything. You stand looking at the floor and counting off the floors. Phew, out. Um, and I thought, yeah, I'll engage him. So on the lift ride to the 28th floor, I, we had this. And the moment I talked, he responded. And just interesting conversation for the however many seconds it was. But it was just an interesting experiment that when you engage people, now some of you are not extrovert or find that more difficult, but most people are the same. They, we stand back in the lift and don't, and yet most people love it when someone engages. Occasionally you get somebody who's, yeah, anyway, so be it, that's their problem. Coming back to this cohort I was with, spent a week with these people I'd never met before. And subsequent to that, I've had six of those people contact me wanting to catch up for a coffee. And I've already met with three of them, all lawyers and barristers, um, which might be very helpful for my future. I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I found this. You start out in the conversation, you know, caught up with these guys, you're usually one or two conversations away from stuff in their personal life and a God conversation without being religious. And again, 
thought, you know, there was something I, I don't know. I'm going, God, what? Why is this? What do you? I think God's opening up a door of opportunity and influence in that that particular arena for me. One of team, if you just come back up, if you wouldn't mind, thank you. Um, oh, keys, great, fantastic. Whoever, do you want to play keys, Jen? No. Okay. <laughs> Phew, that's it. Can't add value. Okay, good. <laughs> um, but again, just taking time to be intentional, to add value, even be kind. So one of these guys had broken his foot at the course we did, and so he's hobbling around on crutches all week. And so I would go at a break and say, do you want me to get you a coffee or some water or whatever? And, and uh, he was just so grateful. And I thought, you know what? It's not hard to add value. It's not hard. Sometimes we just got to be intentional, stop and think. So I want to challenge you as we close this morning. First, I want to challenge you to identify and be thankful for the blessings in your life. I know you've got challenges. Driving up this morning, I was reflecting, as I said, last five years of my life has been incredibly, incredibly challenging a whole range of levels. But I was counting the blessings. And there's a lot of them, hey. In fact, and I, I'm serious about this, the fact that I could come and be with you guys this morning, I'm blessed by that. Thank you. And we need to count our blessings, but then realize that those things we've been blessed with, ultimately, God's the master. And my responsibility as Jesus clearly spelled out, is that whatever we've been entrusted with, we just need to add value. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning to think about that as you go from here. It might be in your own personal life, physically, or, or your soul, whatever. It may, be, it may be your relationships, your kids, your spouse. It may be your work environment. Are you adding that? What, what are you doing to add value to your wife, to your husband, to your kids? What are you doing to add value in your workplace? What are you? Because that's our responsibility. To add to what God has invested in you. Let's just pray. Lord, we just take this moment this morning, the conclusion of this time together, to thank you. We, in the words of that old hymn, we count our blessings. Lord, it's good for us to start to name them, even one by one, and just be thankful. We do thank you. But Lord, we also do that with a sense of fresh awareness that we are just stewards of everything that you have blessed us with. Help us to be good and faithful servants. Help us to add value. Thank you, Lord, because, <laughs> Lord, you just make it, it's not hard for us to do that. Oh, the journey's hard sometimes, but help us to go from here today with a fresh perspective of our responsibility to you with everything that you've blessed us with. Help us even now to identify maybe one area that we need to be more intentional about adding value, whatever that might look like. 
just while every head's bowed, every eye closed, if there's anybody here this morning, if you're here and you've actually never said yes to Jesus, you've never said yes to God, and you might not understand everything about it, hey, we can never fully understand God, but all, God, God's not interested in you becoming religious. He just wants to have a relationship with you, and we find that through inviting Jesus into our lives saying, yes, Jesus, come into my life. Please forgive me. I want a relationship with you. And if you want to start that journey or maybe you've been away from God, maybe you've had a relationship but you've been away and you need to re-engage, so either for the first time or maybe to recommit your life. If there's anybody here this morning and that's you, you just raise your hand. I'd love to pray for you and just give me a wave. Anybody here this morning? You need to give your life to Jesus either for the first time or to recommit your life to him. Please just give me, give me a wave. I'd love to pray for you before we go. Thank you, Lord. God, you see every heart this morning. Pray your peace, your grace, your blessing, the fresh sense of gratitude and privilege that we have of knowing and walking with you. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Thank you. Pastor Jen.